unfortunately, I've, I've known some people that have been promoted through their level of incompetency. And the problem with that is once they reach that level, typically they're not gonna get back, they're not gonna get stepped backwards to the lower, the next level they came from. Usually they remain in that level for many years. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. You know, there are a lot of books about management styles available, but for my money, the ones written by firefighters are the best. They're specific, they're full of real-world examples, And they aren't just page after page of the author's latest catchphrases. Take this one, for example. Fully Involved Leadership, the new book by Chief Gary Ludwig. It explains concepts that any member of the fire service can use to become a strong leader. From how to keep your emotions under control in stressful situations, to good decision making. And Gary does it by storytelling. As far as I'm concerned, that's the best way to make an idea stick. Gary has four decades of experience in the fire service. He's currently chief of the Champaign, Illinois Fire Department. He figures he's responded to an estimated 25,000 fire rescue and EMS calls during his career. And Gary Ludwig joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. It's an honor to be here, Scott. Is there a lack of solid leadership in today's fire service? You know, one of the problems that we have in the fire service is that our leadership education is not structured. Uh, If you look at the military, they're very structured. They have a set methodology by which they teach their officers, whether they go through the academy or whether they go through some other type of officer school. And once they're done at the academy and once they're done with officer school, They're not done with their education. There is a structure format by which you're taught their disciplines and their areas of concentration and in leadership itself. Whereas if you look at the fire service, sometimes a department will, if you've done better than somebody else on a test, you get promoted. You're kind of thrown into the seat, as we say, without the benefit of any type of education or any type of training and leadership or how to handle personnel issues, which is actually the majority of what you're going to do in the fire service. Yeah, we, we have uh, we have some opportunities out there, such as National Fire Academy. They have their executive fire officer program. We have some various colleges that teach education and leadership, but there is no structure format to answer your question about leadership when it comes to educating our fire officers. Now, why do you think that is? It seems like it would be uh, easy enough to start a program like that to educate them. And I imagine there might be a few departments that do that already, but why isn't it widespread? Well, I think they've they've tried to get there through what we call our FESHI program. There's a FESHI model 
which deals with how to and what should be structure format for educational degree programs. But within that educational degree, you know, it's not always, it's some leadership, but it's not always all concentrated on leadership itself. So one of the things that we don't truly have is a structural format for dealing with leadership issues within the fire service. We have um, programs that are available, as I said, and some departments have some very good programs. They have company officer uh, academies. They have chief officer academies. Usually you find that in your larger departments. But the smaller departments don't have the benefit of that. Unfortunately, a lot of people get promoted. They do better than somebody else on a test. And next thing you know, they're thrown into the seat and expected to perform. Or in some cases, they get up there and when they get there, they can't perform. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's called the Peter Principle. Sometimes we're promoted to our level of incompetence. But, um, you know, hopefully, as even though someone's been promoted to that level, that hopefully they take the initiative to try to educate themselves about leadership principles or, again, the, the, part, the department itself makes uh, availability for them to go to classes or go to seminars or go to conferences to learn about leadership issues. I'm glad you mentioned the Peter Principle. That's exactly where I was going there. Unfortunately, I've, I've known some people that have been promoted through their level of incompetency. And the problem with that is once they reach that level, typically they're not going to get back, they're not going to get stepped backwards to the lower, the next level they came from. Usually they remain in that level for many years. Yeah, and then everybody around them pays the price. How are today's leaders different than, say, a generation ago? Well, I think our, I think that we have made progress. Leadership when I started, like 41 years ago, it seemed like the battalion chiefs were God and the deputy chiefs were somewhere above God. And I don't know what classification you would put fire chiefs in because, you know, it was it was it was these autocratic, these very non-benevolent ways of leading militaristic, hardcore nose attitudes uh, that our chiefs had some 40 years ago. I think they were basically emulating the chiefs that came before them. And so, you know, one of the things that, that, that I think has evolved over the years is that our leadership and our methods for educating our leaders has gotten better, but we still have some ways that we have to go. So does that mean that there are people leading today of both styles? Some of them are just still very autocratic. Some of them are what those autocrats would consider to be too wishy-washy. I still hear from quite a few people especially people that purchase my book, that they work under autocratic, dictatorial type of style of leadership from their chiefs. And the, their chiefs uh, have this, this attitude of we're going to, it's going to be my way or the highway, or, you know, basically that, you know, you are here. I want no, I don't want to hear you. I expect you to carry out my orders directly, even though it's not an emergency scene. I can understand it was an emergency scene, but on a non-emergency scene, there's an opportunity to, as an organization, discuss things and, and groups that can discuss things. And let's figure this out before we move down a path that might be wrong. Is your book designed to kind of bring some of these people into the 21st century then? Yes. My, my book is, I would think, you know, a, a method by which it's not your typical leadership book, you know, that discusses the principles of leadership and all the other issues that you find out there in, the, in your what I call your boring textbooks. 
my book is real life, real examples of leadership issues that impact the fire service. And as an example, I, um, I, I always had qualms with uh, leaders in the fire service who think that anytime a firefighter does something wrong, that they have to be disciplined. We're beginning to realize, and, and we should realize, that firefighters don't, when something goes wrong, it's not because the firefighter intentionally did it or did it with malicious intent or you know, had, they were reckless. So a lot of times they have multiple choices. They can choose A, B, or C on their decision-making, and they chose B, and maybe A was a better choice. Well, they shouldn't get disciplined for that. You know, a lot of times there's something wrong with the system. And one of the things I advocate in the book is if we fix the system, the problems go away. Instead of trying to fix the firefighter, we need to fix the system. We wonder why we discipline a firefighter on something, and then six months later, another firefighter does the same exact thing wrong. And, and, that, and that's, it's going to be expected. Unless you fix what's wrong with the system, then you're going to uh, you're still going to continue to have problems. I'll give you a classic example, Scott. So when I worked in a department, uh, I'm, this is my third department now. One of the departments I worked in, if you were to ba- if you were to back your engine up and hit the door frame of the engine house, it was an automatic 24-hour suspension. And so that firefighter would get a 24-hour suspension. Then maybe six months later, another firefighter would back the engine up into the engine house, and they hit the door frame. And guess what? They get a 24-hour suspension. So, you know, the question is, are firefighters really hitting door frames on purpose? I don't think so. So one of the things you need to do is fix the system. So in order to fix the system, one of the things that you should be trying to do is, as an example, let's put spotters back there that they can, that can spot and tell the driver when they're about to hit the door frame. And, and let's protect some of those spotters. Sometimes, um, you know, they don't have to be standing directly in the path of the engine. They can be off to the side, but have some type of communication device that they can communicate with the driver. I'll end by this by saying, instead of fixing the firefighter, let's fix the system. So tell me what you're seeing in terms of today's young leaders. I mean, it's about time now that millennials are beginning to step up into leadership roles. What are you seeing out of them? Actually, I'm, I think that our millennial generation, contrary to what some people say, that you know that they're lazy and a bunch of other things, I, I actually say that the millennials are probably the smartest the most brightest, the most educated uh, uh, group of firefighters that we're going to see. And they're problem solvers. They critically think. They have great critical thinking skills. They know that anything they have to be able to find and find a solution for, they know how to look it up on the Internet and Google it. And so along with that comes the downside. You know, maybe their social skills aren't as good as what you and I might have growing up uh, because we were forced to talk to people. Now they communicate a lot of things. <laughs> by texting each other. I've sat and watched my children text with each other in the same room. And I thought maybe they're just trying to keep information away from me. And it turns out, no, they're just how they communicated at that particular time, sitting in the same room and they're texting to each other. I think the future's bright. I think the millennials that are coming up these days uh, are some of the brightest, most educated kids in the fire service. And so I think the future's bright with them. I think they they are a very good group of kids are going to step into leadership roles. And I'll tell you why. I'll I'll tell you the example of why I say this, Scott. Uh, Unfortunately, I saw kids in my age group when I was growing up 
they would pick on some kid in school who was disadvantaged. And everybody thought that was cool and everybody thought that was fun. I thought it was horrendous. But uh, they would pick on some kid that, that might have had some, some, uh, some difficulties. And, and I seen, or the king or the, the king of the prom, they usually elect to put that kid with Down syndrome as the, as the prom queen or king. I've seen them already on the football fields that maybe the kid with Down syndrome, you know, is, is one of the trainers or maybe somebody that, you know, doesn't play on the football team or on the baseball team. But you know what? They get them out there. And you probably have seen those videos already. Oh, yeah, they, I've seen them. They, yeah, they get them out there and they let them score a touchdown. And I, I'm, I get goosebumps when I see that because I just think that's outstanding. And that's that generation today that's doing that. And, and I think that is a great leadership skill that we lift others up. We help others who are struggling and we help others that we lift them up. And, and we have firefighters from time to time that are struggling. We have firefighters who need lifting, that need support, that need that encouragement. And I think these millennials coming into these leadership roles are suited for that just exactly in that role. So then your book addresses their issues or their questions so that they can get something out of it also. Does it also apply to, let's say, the crusty old guys who are still in offices? Yes, because I'll tell you what, I'm glad you asked that question, Scott. Because um, my last chapter is pretty interesting. And uh, my last chapter talks about um, who's going to write the final chapter of your career. And it's not going to be you. It's going to be the firefighters that you lead. It's going to be the crusty old guy who's in the battalion chief position or the fire chief position or in some type of leadership role. They don't get to write the final chapter of their career. It's the firefighters that they led and who they worked for that get to write that final chapter. And it, it may not be as flattering as what you think. I've been in departments that I never met the department. I never met the individual, but people, somebody that worked in the department 30 years ago, they are talked about in such highest regard. Still 30 years later, it's passed down from generation to generation of firefighters about some chief and how they led people. Or in the, or the reverse of that, as I've heard about people that I never met that might have worked in some department 30, 40 years ago, that they still talk about with disdain and hatred because the person was that bad. And so you may think you get to write the final chapter of your career. That, that's, that's illogical thinking because the firefighters that you work for get to write the final chapter of your career. All right. The book is Fully Involved Leadership. Gary Ludwig, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's an honor, Scott. And uh, you know, my book is available on Amazon. Uh, you can order there either through ebook or you know a, a paper copy or the uh, soft cover. Or, or if you want a signed copy, you can go to my website, GaryLudwigBook.com, uh, and I can send you a signed copy. So it's always an honor and privilege to be on with you, Scott. You're doing a great job and. And thank you for getting that information out to our firefighters out there. And we put a link to order his book on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash Ludwig. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about leadership as explained in Gary Ludwig's new book. What do you think makes for a great leader? What qualities make one that's not so good? 
And of the strongest leaders you know, what qualities do they have? I'd like to hear from you on this. As always, email me, scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and play your messages on a future show. Hey, thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.